0: It's time for Love Talk with the Love Ladies, Kathy, Carrie, and Marley.
1: Hello, friends, and welcome to Love Talk. You have found the Love Ladies. Happy Saturday morning. This is Love Talk 101 FM eleven twenty AM. Here we are on the bridge, Austin, KTXW, Central Texas, Christian Talk. I am Coach Carrie Brinkator, and I'm joined in studio today with my beautiful co-host. Hello, Kathy Enderbrock and Marlene
2: McMichael. How are y'all today? It is a great day. It's so nice being here. I'm so excited about the guest that we have. I can't believe that we have him sitting here in studio with us. It makes such a difference to actually... Um, have our guests in studio yes. rather than calling in, so I'm excited. We're going to share him with you in in just a moment. It has been an exciting two weeks. National Day of Prayer was incredible, so friends. Great. I hope you had just a wonderful time. I just can I'm just looking forward to continue seeing what the Lord does and how he moves and the leaders that he raises up and we see this happening I think with this Roe v. Wade coming down Mm -hmm. I think there's no accident that that has come and is coming down over this National Day of Prayer period Mm -hmm. I think that um it's Eisenhower, I believe it was Eisenhower correctly identified these things. No, it was Truman, excuse me, during World War II, as David Barton was saying, accurately identified this warfare as spiritual, as spiritual warfare. And so when people come before the Lord in prayer, as they have been for the last several decades, um, over, uh, abortion in this nation, I just am looking forward to what the Lord really, um, overturning Roe v. Wade and seeing uh, the individual states beginning to really step up and bring an end to abortion in this nation. Well, so that's that's kind of what's been on my heart, lately, And That was a mouthful. <laughs> it is great having you with us. You look gorgeous this morning, as always.
3: Thank you. Well, I've had a really busy week, but it's been a fun week, and mm-hmm. I, uh, our family, is, uh, I'm so grateful for all of them. I have... I'm close to cousins. We're on this extended text chain of about 15 cousins, which oh, is rare. Neat. So we know everybody's business. Ah. But, um, they're praying cousins and I love that oh. about them. And, uh, so we've had some really great news this week. My sister-in-law was cleared for cancer, from cancer. Oh, Yay! That's, um, oh. She had about uh, breast cancer many years ago and has been clean and, but she had another, um, uh, Spot or in, uh, lump, um, and um, all the nodes say she is clear, and so we're very grateful for that news. Mm-hmm. and And she attributes it to prayer. Mm-hmm. So there Absolutely you go. The second thing is that I, I didn't do it. I did nothing. But um, my nephew welcomed his first baby girl, and uh, my brother and his wife, the same lady, um, uh, welcomed their third, fourth grandchild, and Penelope Jane. Has joined us. Oh, so. that's so fun!
1: You got yes. babies
3: all
2: over.
1: That's, that's right.
3: amazing, Penelope James. Well, <laughs> lots
2: of good news, and
3: we're having yeah. so much
2: fun. You know, this May we're having these incredible guests. Uh, in next week, we're going to have Terry Ussery in studio with us from the Women's Missionary Union of Texas. She is going to share all kinds of opportunities that families can take advantage of this summer to go on mission together. I love just it. love that. And today we're talking about courage in prayer. And government, which now, friends, I wanted if, if you think, oh my goodness, Coach Carrie, Kathy, and Marlene are going to be talking politics. We are going to be talking about courage in government, mm-hmm. stepping forward, friends, and you're going to love this show. We hope that every single one of our listening friends is going to get a shift in perspective, and we want you to stay with us for this. Our key verse comes straight out of Ephesians 6.18. It says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. And always Mm -hmm. keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So I love that Mm -hmm. they say that that this we're we're told as Paul is writing this a letter to the church in Ephesus, he's saying, hey, be aware, be alert, be in prayer. We have to have courage in prayer, and we have to look forward to what is happening and be alert to the things that are happening all around us. Well, today we have an incredible friend who is a man of prayer. This is Mm -hmm. when I think of this gentleman, I think, yes, prayer. And generally, specifically, college campus prayer. He has built his life on God's truth, on God's faithfulness, that the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. And friends, many of you who um, are either in college or who are moms and dads of college students, you may recognize his name as he has Launched and led and brought together ministries across college campuses throughout the United States more than any other person I know. And he has seven children of his own, God bless his amazing wife, Mm. (laughs) and has effectively bridged the widening gap between kingdom focused, between being kingdom focused, and between being an engaged citizen moving forward and we have so much to learn from him. Um, He is uh, a graduate of the uh, University of Texas uh, with a degree in government, and during his time at UT, he developed a vision for transformation through prayer and partnerships between Christian ministries and churches on a campus. He is currently president of Campus Renewal, which is a national nonprofit serving as a catalyst to bring together students and college ministers from different churches and nonprofits in United Prayer and United Mission. He has done a ton with nonprofits and profits uh, and for-profit uh, businesses. He's done a ton of training. He's worked with hundreds of campuses, traveled to over 40 states and five continents towards his vision. I can continue on and on, Coach (laughs) Carey, and I think what we're going to do is bring him into the conversation, learn more about him. Welcome to Love Talk, Jeremy Story. It is great to have you with us today.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me on this great show. I appreciate it.
2: Well, there is so much going on, and, I mean, your name has been in the news and is going to be in the news more and more, and there's so much that we could talk with you about uh, but we want to talk about the important stuff, the the God stuff. And so we're going to start off with this key question that we ask all of our listeners, the most important question, and that is this. How did you come to know that Jesus personally loves you?
0: I mean, for me, it was mostly that through my family, right? I mean, uh, growing up. Uh, and in, in having my family constantly uh taking me to a church expression and seeing uh, jesus there that was really i think where where i i initially learned about god and then secondarily it was in college uh when i went to the university of texas right here in austin uh, mm-hmm. not far from where the this st- this studio is mm-hmm. um you know i i was following jesus but there's also different stages of following him you know in terms of getting to know him better and long story short uh i had uh been pretty successful in college I was a successful debater and all these sorts of things and Really quickly, because the, the, the program is, is short, um, my best friend had been my best friend since about fifth grade. He died when I was in October of my freshman year at oh. UT. We were roommates. Oh. Died of cancer, actually here at Seaton Northwest Hospital. Oh. And um, it, it took me to a place where I just wasn't doing well with my grades. I couldn't speak anymore. I couldn't think straight. It was a difficult season. And uh, God really used that to take everything away that I thought was myself uh, when I was about 18. And then um he began to rebuild that. I even went away over Christmas break and got lost on top of a mountain in a blizzard, you know, overnight. Oh, so I was goodness. like, I remember telling God, just kill me now. I really don't have anything left. And I remember at that point, God said, this is who you are apart from whatever I sow into you, whatever gifts I give you. And if I've given them to you, then then you are you going to choose to use them as you desire, just for good things, not necessarily bad things, but good things, or are you going to choose them exactly as I want you to? And, and there's a difference between just sort of doing good things as opposed to bad things, right, or right and wrong. And then there's a, the, where I think God calls us all to, and that is using our gifts and talents for the exact things that God wants us to do, which, uh, which is a, a section of good, right? Mm-hmm. And, and learning that at 18, you know, after being literally, you know, just crushed in some ways, uh, God took that negative circumstance and, mm-hmm. and turned it into positive. So that was a place where I really began to learn, okay, here's how you can be courageous and bold, or here's how you can act in your strengths without being prideful. Because, But yet still being confident, knowing where it all comes from, knowing that if, if if God wasn't there, there would be nothing else, right? That everything that's good about you comes from the Lord, and, and the things that aren't so good probably come from you, <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, know, <right. laughs> in terms of, you know, you're not you're abusing the way that God made you or whatever. And so just that's really, for me, was a big turning point in my life of, of being able to submit to the Lord and whatever he had to say, because whoever I am or whoever any of us are, that comes from God, right? Everything that's that's good in us, all the gifts we have, it's by his hand, by his favor, by his grace. And so, you know, it's like, okay, well, then we can walk in confidence in those things knowing we didn't do anything to deserve it. You I know? love
2: that. I've never heard that. Taking you to a place of nothing, in, on a mountain, in a storm, you, having lost your best friend and him saying, okay, right now you have nothing. So everything that you get, you will now know that is from me. And you get to choose how you're going to use that. Mm-hmm. That is That's beautiful. Amazing.
0: Wasn't so God. beautiful at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you had
1: to
2: go to a top of a mountain in a in a blizzard to
1: find
0: yeah. out. Well, Moses yeah. had his mountain experience too. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah.
2: Well, and so God is. I love you. Have this life motto now, and um, and you know you you really are known for everything that you have done with with campus ministries, and y- even recently. Okay, so right now you're president of Campus Renewal, which is a national nonprofit. You've recently. Um, founded every student sent which is a national social network platform involving almost every national campus ministry and most denominations you've trained CEOs for nonprofit companies for collegiate nonprofits and thousands of local campus ministers i mean you you are mostly known for prayer yet your name is in the news for government now and government engagement, and you have this this life motto, people can do more together than they can apart, which Mm -hmm. I think is a principle for prayer. It's also a principle for government. Can you talk to us right now about what you're doing in the government sphere, maybe how you made that step into the government sphere and how your motto impacts that?
0: Hmm, that's a lot of questions. Yeah. <laughs> that was three questions. I know, well, <laughs> I know you can I'm trying it. to think, you know. I'm, I, I would say um, what a lot of people don't realize is that when I went to University of Texas, which was a long time ago, <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm older than most people realize, but I was in the 90s. Uh, my degree is in political science. So it's kind of my degree. It's kind of what I studied, you know. And, and when I was in the middle of college, God really began to speak to me about founding campus renewal, but he didn't really, he didn't change me and who I am, and so my core interests have always been seeing redemption in the government sphere. Uh, we all need to see redemption in any sphere of government or any sphere of our society. For me, that's always been an interest, particularly in government. Some it's art, some it's other things. So I've kind of, in some way or another, been involved in, at least on a personal level, seeing redemption and God's redemption in the government, uh, you know, since I was in college. Uh, but then in the more recent years, um, we, uh, I, I think I've gotten more involved. In, in the political process specifically, uh, I've just felt an increasing call to see righteousness in that process and to fight injustice in that process, and it's a very, very uh, dirty and dark sphere. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and so trying to learn how to be in the world but not of it. Sometimes failing, sometimes succeeding. You know. Uh, I don't stand as a perfect example, but I, I try to stand as, as a different example of how believers can be involved in that sphere mm-hmm. and, and yet not become of that sphere. You okay, know?
2: I, So I'd like to address mm-hmm. that because, you know, a, a lot of churches and believers say that this political sphere is too controversial for believers to be involved in. And I know there's a ton of pastors who are really concerned about this separation of church and state issue mm-hmm. uh, where they could face losing their tax-exempt status. Where, where do you stand on that? What advice would you give in response yeah. to that?
0: Well, I'm looking at your timer there. Uh, that, that's a really good question. <laughs> so if I don't get to the, all of it, I, I would love to answer on the other side of your break. But I'll tell you for right now um, – you know, I would say that first off, you know, the, the notion of separation of church and state. You know, if you had David Barton on, like you said earlier in the program, he could tell you this very specifically. But separation of church and state is not in the Constitution, right? Um, what the Constitution talks about is freedom of religion uh, and not not establishing religion. Both of those things. So both of those are in the First Amendment, right? And and so the idea that we that that the, there should be no uh, no As a religious person or a person who's a follower of Jesus, you can't be involved in the government sphere is totally unbiblical. It's also totally unconstitutional. It's not anywhere there. And so the question then is is how then can we be involved in the government and what are the ways we should be? and and I'm looking at the countdown timer there and I'm thinking <laughs> wow how do we how do we address that I would just say as as a believer it means that just like any sphere right i mean jesus let's just take it theologically for a second before we go to the break jesus said that we're to be redeemers in all spheres wherever god calls us arts entertainment uh, education family there's not a part of this world that god doesn't own Right. Mm -hmm. So if you then set aside a part of the world, in this case, the government, and you say, well, that's a spear we can't touch. You have violated and said, oh, God is beyond that spear. Well, that's not true. As believers, we're to be salt wherever we are. And some believers are called to be in the government. Others are called to be elsewhere. And I think that's the broader theological construct, that there's no place that's outside the reign of God. And And as believers, we're called to be salt in every place. We're called to have solutions. And the government is just one of those spaces.
2: All right, friends, do you want to see redemption in the government Mm -hmm. sphere? Do you want to see Mm -hmm. God's kingdom step into what is happening in politics in America? If the answer to those questions is yes, you are going to want to stay with us and find out how we can move forward in that truth. We're going to have a word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back with you right after this. And welcome back, friends, to Love Talk here on KTXW, The Bridge, Austin, 101.1 FM and 1120 AM. It is great to be with you this beautiful Saturday morning. We are talking about courage in prayer and government with Jeremy Story. And I just loved Mm -hmm. the first segment. Friends, if you've missed it, you can go to our archives at lovetalknetwork.com or go to your favorite podcast. That will drop there in a couple days, Tuesday, uh, probably Tuesday of this coming week. Well, Jeremy, we went Mm -hmm. out and I kind of gave you a big... Big question. <laughs> I gave you about ninety seconds to answer it, so I'm going to let you finish answering that question. Um, there are pastors out there who are truly concerned about this separation of church and state, about losing their their tax exempt status. If they step into the talking about politics and government, sure. etc, what advice would you give in response to that?
0: I want to speak directly to those pastors and to people who are no pastors, which is everybody yeah. <laughs> and to say very clearly, here's what you need to tell them. look, I'm a pastor or I've pastored pastors by the thousands across this nation, right? I'm passionate about uh, pastors, I love them, but there's one thing that, that that really wholesale we're getting wrong in the church, and it is this understanding, well, there's several, but the main thing in poli- political is this understanding of the Johnson Amendment. It was this amendment that was put up by a guy who became president later, Johnson, but when, uh, this was when it was going through the House. And it basically was an amendment to an appropriations bill, that, and it basically said, look, uh, nonprofits cannot be politically involved. It was aimed at churches. Uh, cannot be politically involved, or you lose your tax exempt status. That's the short version for this radio program. <laughs> Let me tell you this. Pastors... People in the churches tell your pastors this: resist that. It is unconstitutional. It has never once in the history of our nation, since it was passed, been prosecuted. Now, it's never been successfully prosecuted. It's never even been brought into court. Okay.
2: Wow.
0: And no one realizes that. Never once has it has it gone before court, mm-hmm. and, and it's never been successfully done. Nothing. Period. Squat. Nothing. Yet, by the thousands, by the thousands of churches across our country, we self cover our mouths and won't speak because we're worried about a law that has never actually been challenged. That's how crazy this is. So pastor out there, challenge it. Violate it. Violate it. Just see if they'll take it to court because they won't. No one's been taken. And the fact is if it ever goes to court, they will lose, which is why no one wants to do it. It, it there's there's for the majority of the history of our country, You know, the first 150, 200 years or so, or whatever, I'm about on on that date, but for a very long period of time, the church was the place where you went to learn about the news of the day. And your pastor would speak the gospel, but also would it applied to culture in the sermon. Right, mm-hmm. uh, the American Revolution was birthed out of this idea. There was mm-hmm. pastors that birthed this in, in the idea of, of, you know, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution was based on this natural law theory that that God was the author of your rights, not the government. Mm-hmm. Right. So this this concept was preached by pastors, and it wasn't until the Johnson Amendment that the church just zipped up their mouth and stopped talking. And we've we've done it out of fear that we're somehow going to lose our tax exempt status. I would say you are not going to lose your tax exempt status. You should speak out. Number one, you can speak out on an issue, and not ever even have to worry about it because that's not what the Johnson Amendment says. The Johnson Amendment says you can't speak out to advocate for an elected official or advocate that somebody should be elected. But what I want to tell you is. Do it anyway. Go out there and advocate for who you believe to be righteous people to be elected and see if they'll come after you because they won't because this amendment is unconstitutional. and It's just like Roe v. Wade. We'll never see it go away if we just sit there and pretend and be afraid of something that hasn't actually happened yet. The history of our nation says that this is wrong, and we as the church should be standing up against it. You got guys like Cheon in California uh, Mm -hmm. and other pastors, John MacArthur. Totally different uh, streams within the within the church uh, in terms of John MacArthur and Cheon, but both of them saying this is not this is not we should not be doing this. We should not be silent. Because we're being, we're basically leaving all of the church members up to guess about what to do with civic matters, right? So, very important that we stand against the Johnson Amendment. It shouldn't be in place right now, and churches should stand against it, not by being angry, but by just simply disobeying it. I mean, what did Martin Luther King do? You know, we celebrate him as a day in our country, mm-hmm. and, and he gave us civil rights. What did he do? He civilly disobeyed unjust laws. So I'm saying to you, disobey (laughs) this law because it is unconstitutional. They won't come after you, and if they do, you'll win.
2: I love that. Isn't it so like the enemy to sell us a lie that keeps our mouths shut? And um I, I love that. Okay, I, I'm talking to my pastor. I just had lunch with him last week and his wife. I'm talking to him about the Johnson Amendment, which I, I've always heard of, you know, the separation of church and state and not speaking up or losing your tax-exempt status. Never knew what that was called. Now I have a name for it, and I'm going to step forward with that. Jeremy, thank you so much for that. I mean, it's clear that you have such a passion for truth within our culture a passion and, and that calls you to step forward and not shrink
0: mm-hmm. shrink back to
2: always yeah. speak up and um Marlene speaking of speaking up <laughs> I can see you have a question so I'm going to I'm going to let you ask that
3: well i i mean my background is government work as well and um of course when i started it was Something you didn't do, but and even the church told me that and it wasn't mm. wasn't like I was going into the field and and everybody applauding it. It was like, right. don't do this, Marlene. But uh, all of that, I want to we want to talk about that some more. But right now, I want to talk about a word you just used, which was culture. And mm-hmm. I know culture and the culture of this country is very important to you. Mm-hmm. So tell me how that plays in all that you do, both working with the college and working with the government and and maybe even working with local school boards.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think what got me involved in college ministry clearly was God just saying, this is what you're supposed to do. That's a longer story. But in general, when I started asking why, you know, what is it inside me that you've given me, Lord, that makes me tick on this is, well, I think college is this crossroads where all those different cultural places, education, arts, uh, architecture, you know, mm-hmm. you name it, even sports, you know, everything mm-hmm. is this crossroads where these people are being trained, the leaders of tomorrow. And those leaders either go out to send us in a direction culture-wise with all the things, products and things they create and help create, um, and that's a negative and that's against the uh, ways of the Lord, or sends us in a direction that is a blessing to our nation and honors the Lord. And, and I want to see our nation blessed, you know. And so mm-hmm. I really want to see... Um, uh, young people being sent out as leaders that are that are creating uh, uh, positive culture changes in our nation. And what I saw with the universities across our country is that students were going there, uh, parents are paying for it, and those universities were basically uh, converting them to atheism, converting them to turn away from the Lord. Not just mm-hmm. do bad things, but like literally disassociate them from their faith. And it's gotten it had gotten worse and worse and worse. And I wanted to do something about it, because I feel like that affects everything else in our culture. It's like having a a polluting plant at the top of a river, and you're dealing with all these downstream problems, uh, and there's many of them, poverty and and education and all these things. But what what really is happening is upstream, you've got this university or this high school or whatever, even all the way down to elementary, that's dumping these wrong ideas into kids' heads, and then they're being sent out with wrong basis and then that wrong basis just continues flowing down that river. And then they're 50, and they're the CEO of Google, and they're doing you know horrific things.
1: Mm. Shaping culture. And that's been kind of your, your motto here is that people can do more together than apart. I'd love for you to just chat with us just a little bit about your recently founded uh, organization, Every Student Sent. It's a national social network platform. Describe to us what that is.
0: Sure. Um, before I do that, I want to also call yeah. it that I don't know anything about the CEO of Google, so I wasn't necessarily oh. picking on him. I'm just saying, you know, that's an example of a, sure. po- a powerful institution. I'm not picking on any one individual, but I do know that basically what happens is these leaders become leaders of things that are very powerful, and they're not influencing for the good. They're influencing for the negative. And I mean, so
2: I would say, yeah, when you talk about worldview, when right. that worldview right. is right. not centered on um, – the creator God who knit us together and who is, has goodness and has, you know, laws and ways to follow and wants a genuine relationship with us and loves his creation and is engaged in his creation. When you have a worldview that completely takes that out, um, you can kind of justify and do all kinds of horrific things. Yeah. And
0: and also it goes for people who aren't followers of Jesus. I'm not just talking about, you know, because I believe that, that, freedom for everyone is, is where God wants. He wants to give us the freedom to choose him or not choose him. And so uh, I think that leaders of faith can also necessitate good blessings for even those in our culture who aren't following God, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's important. You know, it's not just um, some sort of hegemony for Christians. It's really meaning that I believe Christians should be influencers to bring freedom to our culture that then allows people, as God would desire, for them to make their own choice whether and to see the truth presented, Clearly, and then have the choice what they whether they want to follow it or not. That's what God does to each one of us. He mm-hmm. says, "You all have freedom of choice." You know, wants you to be able to have that choice. And I think that you best have that choice, and you best have a blessing in your culture when you can create a culture that that, it, that is pursuing some of these healthy ideals. You know,
2: we want mm-hmm. a kingdom culture operating in the world, not a worldly culture operating in the world. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then,
0: yeah. Well, and, mm-hmm. and at least among Christians, for sure. Yes, yeah.
2: yeah. So let's let's go back
1: to that. Since we're talking about influencing and culture, what is this every student sent? Seems like you have ideas all the time, Jeremy. I love um, this.
0: They're, you know, God's ideas, not mine. And, and a lot of other people, of course, working to help make those things happen across the country. I don't claim them at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but every student sent is an idea that I think a lot of people have been working on. Um, it's, it's basically some, it's a platform online where you can go and search any one of the 4,300 campuses or so across the country, college campuses. You can pull up from there, uh, what ministries and churches are involved on that. Uh, we have a partnership with a whole bunch of different ministries and churches and you can basically press a button and communicate directly with the leader of that organization or church on that campus, uh, and message back and forth with them. Like, you know, like you would on Facebook or Instagram or whatever and then on top of that you can also connect with other students that are there and you can message back and forth with them and talk to them and stuff like that. So it lets students uh, coming directly out of high school or in high school begin to connect with college works before they even get there. And they can also base what college decision they want to go to based on what they're able to discern is going on spiritually on that campus before they get there, which I think is really helpful.
1: I love this. I My daughter is, will be heading to college in the fall. She's going to Lipscomb University in Nashville. We're super thrilled um, We're not thrilled that it's 12 hours away, but we're super happy for her. But one of her criteria, um, among many, was that she wanted a campus that overtly uh, was Christian. Mm -hmm. And we found that when we
2: visited there. But I'm really excited to share this with her, every student. And I've just pulled it up. Every student sent, find your community, change your campus. Mm -hmm. I love that.
0: Everystudentsent.com or .net or .org. Anyone will get you there. Just remember, every student sent. And you can – it's free, and you can sign up, and you can search any campus in the country, talk to students across the country, talk to campus ministries on any one of those campuses and churches that are involved there, and directly message them. There's also online cl- courses there that are also free where you can uh, – where it preps you on how to be a successfully engaged as a believer in college. And so mm-hmm. we also want to help people be prepared no matter where they go. Uh, to be able to do that. They're all video-based and engaging, and some of the top leaders in the country are teaching it. So all free for anybody that wants to today. com. send it to your friends, whoever. Parents and youth ministers can actually go on there, invite their students that they work with. Students can sign up independently, but if, yeah. if people want to invite them, and if somebody accepts your invitation, then you can walk them through the system and see how they're doing. So as a youth mm-hmm. minister, for the first time, they can actually watch their students spread out across the country And then follow up on those that maybe aren't making connections like they would hope.
2: Let's go get Harvard back. Let's go get Stanford back. Let's go get Berkeley back for God's kingdom and his (laughs) glory. Let's go raise up those leaders (laughs) and get these places back. I like it. It's redemption. And I love the way that you're
1: meeting our current generation where they are. Because they will pick up their phone and look at something like this right they're yeah. not going to necessarily pick up a pamphlet and but they they will engage online through their phone um all
2: day every day so, and this is a positive way to do that that's yeah. excellent that's excellent um wow well, so i wanted to ask you because you know when i my husband when i when i tell he he'll ask well what what stories are you doing and who are you going to be interviewing and uh you know he always tells me like, careful about getting too politicky on the radio, Kath. you know? And I'm like, well, no, we have to step into that. And we love Mm -hmm. now that Marlene is a co-host with us because that's her (laughs) background. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So, uh, you know, and and I I want you to address what you have really been stepping into lately. Um, We look at all this immorality and divisive behavior in the political sphere. And some people say a believer really can't be involved in that without compromising their relationship with God. Yet recently, I've seen you step into that with both mm-hmm. feet as really a David against a Goliath, mm-hmm. and God is doing amazing things. Mm. I mean, you have basically gone mm. up against the Round Rock ISD school board.
0: Yeah. Mm. I mean, How did I,
2: that start? Did, you, did you wake up in the morning and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and stand up and take down <laughs> the no. entire
0: school board? <laughs> <laughs> no, that wasn't the intent. I think that's important. Is I wasn't trying to stand up against the school district at all, not even in a little bit. Um, I just simply went as a citizen. Right to a school board meeting in June to say, I think you should wait on the current superintendent you're considering hiring, the current mm-hmm. candidate that they were, they had put up a candidate, his name is Hafed Azaiz and they had uh, said they were wanting to hire him. And I and many community members, I wasn't even the only person, right? Mm-hmm. I it was one of many, many, many people that said, hey, could you just, we found some concerning things here about his past. Could you please vet him further for another week or two? That's how innocuous it was. So uh, if you would have told me where, what's happened now, I would have never in a million years predicted that I thought you were crazy probably if you had, if you had told me what was going to happen. So basically just going and testifying that we should do that. Well at that meeting, When I testified, hey, just please wait a few days or a week or two, I basically said, look, we found out that in Donna ISD, which is a district on the southern border of Texas, that Mr. Azaiz had used the police of the school district because they report directly to him. So school district police, not city police, and Donna ISD had used them to issue a criminal trespass order against a 59-year-old Hispanic grandmother and served it to her at her home that basically said, you cannot come on campus without our permission for two years. And all we could find that she had done is and invest in and, and, and when I had talked to her was that she had exposed he and one of his friends in a malfeasant plan uh and some things that I don't think were right. And so I think that was why she was penalized by this guy. It was very concerning. Enough to go, wait a second, hold up, you know. Mm-hmm. And this had just happened in May and they were trying to hire him in June. I mean it was irrelevant it wasn't like five years ago he did this. It was yes. very and so I just went to say that. That's all I did. And and then I was surprised that they weren't willing to pause for even a week. We're not even talking like a major request here. And then I was super surprised because while I was sitting in that board meeting, it's was just a, I live in Round Rock, right? So I'm worried about the kids there. I'm concerned. It's just a local expression of what I've done across the country. Uh, concerned about education, you know? So yeah. I, I basically said, you know, do this. And then as I'm sitting in the boardroom that day, uh, and as I've testified, they said, nope, we're going to hire him right now. Can't wait. And I'm like, that's strange. Why would you do that? Can't wait right now. And they vote to hire him. Five people voted to hire him on the school board. Two people voted no. And um, then I turned around after they did that, and they took this guy, Hafez Ezez, who was supposedly wasn't there. No one had said anything, and pulled him out of the back room. <gasps> and I watched him pull him out of the back room, take him to the front, and go, huh, will you accept and say you know, something? And then I watched the two board members who had voted against him, who had said, let's vet just a little further, to their surprise. You could tell it was obvious on their face. They were completely surprised, say, from the stand. Um, wait a second. You didn't tell us he was going to be here. So I realized there were two board members at least. They had no idea this guy was in the back room all night. Mm. And then later I talked to another community member who said, Oh, it was even weirder than that. I watched Jenny Caputo, who was the PR person, is the PR person for the district, editing a video of Mr. Hafed Aziz accepting the position before they voted. And and I'm I'm thinking, this is nuts. They literally violated the Texas Open Meetings Act, which the Attorney General should prosecute. And they willfully did this and somehow collaborated ahead of time. That's all I knew. And I was sitting there in shock. Um, I watched the PTA president come after he came out of the room with a big, huge bouquet of cookies. So apparently community members even knew, right? Because wow. otherwise she just makes cookies for no reason for school board <laughs> meetings to pr- propose to no one, you know. And, but she ran up to him with the cookies, and I thought, this is absurd. And that's all I thought it was, was a major Texas Open Meetings Act violation and 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 something going on untoward behind the scenes between five board members and that two were left out. Well, then uh, after that, the month after that, I got a phone call and got connected with another person in the Austin community who said, Mr. Story, I've heard you've been speaking out about this Open Meetings Act violation and the, the things that are going on behind the scenes with the board. It's deeper than that. And she made the allegation that um, the superintendent her had had a relationship, a sexual relationship, uh, and that she had informed him in June that she was pregnant, June or July. And that um, he had then told her to get an abortion, Uh, Hafed Azaiz, the now the person who had just been hired as our superintendent. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting in July hearing this on the phone, you know, uh, knowing I'm probably the only person in the school district that knows about it. She's confiding in me. She's actually at this point hiding in a hotel because she said that um, she then went, uh, oh, he said get an abortion. She said that she told him no. He then told her, well, that he was going to come do it for her uh, like a threat. Um, And then she got concerned and uh, and went to the school board and emailed the school board. She then told me that the school board ignored her and instead told him. And then he showed up at her house, she says. And then she Mm -hmm. says that he uh, assaulted her. And so she's telling me all this over the phone and so I immediately started doing investigation found text messages that between her and him look, you know went up and met with her with my wife cuz I wasn't going to go by myself we met at the school she's a principal in the Austin area mm-hmm. found her to be a very credible person no one's perfect but credible talked to some of their other staff different things and it investigated all of her evidence began to look into things and found out that sure enough the superintendent had filed a restraining order against her right after this occurred right after this alleged assault claiming that she was a problem because it was like a retaliatory strike. Mm-hmm. And that's why she was hiding out in the hotel. She didn't have lawyers or anything. She eventually got some who got that dismissed immediately mm-hmm. and then got a restraining order put against him for family violence that, that wow. now has been turned into a permanent protective order that's still against the superintendent of the Round Rock School District wow. right now mm-hmm. for family violence. Wow. And so um, when she did that uh, and, sh- and we, we began to, get her to get, help her get some help, well, one of the things that Mr. Hafed-Aziz said to the court in his original filing before this all became public and before he knew somebody like me was going to get involved when he was trying to blame her is he said, the board, several board members told me that that my girlfriend w- told them. Uh-huh. We actually admitted to the court. It's on record. You can go search it. It's not a big secret that, that the board members told him that some victim or a lady who was claiming to be a victim approached them. Yes. So I went to uh, try to... Tell the board this via email, and I emailed them several times to say there's a concern. It seems like some of you are involved, you guys need to stop. You need to do something. This is you know do something about it. And all but all five of them, the same five that voted for him, basically said ain't going to do it. You know we don't even need to talk to you. We don't need to see any of your evidence. One of them said I don't even have any plans. I'm like I don't even know what that means. Oh my um, He said I'm not a man with plans. I don't even know what that means. And so uh, then the other two said we are trying to get this on the agenda. Uh, Mary Bone and Daniel Weston mm-hmm. said so we are trying to get this on the agenda, Mr. Story. All this is recorded via email, right? So everything I've said is is in writing. And so, um, but we can't because the other five won't allow us to put it on the agenda, which is by the way illegal. It violates the Texas Open Meetings Act too, because if you have two board members that want something on the agenda, you can't permanently keep it off the agenda, because what that does is that prevents public discussion on that issue, right? And so after emailing them and when they would not listen, I went to a board meeting i'm in another board meeting now in august Mm -hmm. Uh, interestingly enough in july the intervening period the round rock isd board you can go look online did not meet they didn't have a regular meeting like they normally would they're supposed to have one every month some mysterious reason in july they don't have one there's a reason because all this is going on and then in august i show up again when i show up um, the board president calls me to the stand to speak I'm not cussing, yelling, screaming. None of the stuff you see that happened in Virginia or whatever, that Mm -hmm. didn't happen here. Mm -hmm. I have a laptop. I'm walking up with it. If anything, I'm a little boring. And I read (laughs) the resolution. (laughs) I read the resolution that's on the agenda tonight. I'm the only person out of about 80 speakers that does that. I read the resolution. It's all about public safety. It's all about oversight of the superintendent, all these sorts of things. And then I say, I don't really think that you're concerned about public safety. And I don't really think that you're concerned about, you know, oversight of the superintendent because you're sitting next to a man who I've sent you emails about whom you know was just served a protective order at the district headquarters, and you're saying nothing about it. Well, the moment I got the word protective order out, the board president slams her gavel, yells, that's inappropriate, and then call, and waves her hand, and the police come from behind me and drag me out of the room, grab me by both arms. Before all that happened, before I even began to speak when she called me to the stand, um, She said, Mr. Story, I I understand that what you're about to say and what you want to say is non-germane. You may not say it. Now, yet I had not said anything, right? Yeah. So I say back to her, it's all on recording. And I say, Mrs. Weir, um, what I'm about to say is absolutely germane to the resolution at hand. Will you allow me to demonstrate that to you? And she says, no, in front of everyone. So I'm very calm. I'm like, I can't (laughs) believe she's saying this. And I said, well, Mrs. Weir, are you saying I can't demonstrate this to you? I can't explain to you what's going on. She says, yes. I mean, no. I mean, yes. And when she mm-hmm. reversed herself, I said, okay, great. Then I'm going to start speaking. And I <laughs> yeah. politely, calmly went into my speech until I got to the point she didn't like it anymore. And she cut me off and had the cops drag me out. And Haferah nods his head when it happens. And several of the other board members who are also voted for him are saying, your time's up, Mr. Stories. See you later. You know, you can all hear it in the board meeting. Yeah. They dragged me out. 30 days later, 30 days later. Uh, after I'd filed a complaint, a legal grievance, all this stuff against the district, 30 days later, they leveraged the sheriff's office to show up at my house, banging on my door. They arrest me and they put me in jail.
2: Wow, that is unbelievable. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. I've heard this all over the the, the Austin radio. Um, your story's been picked up nationally as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's a shame. Um, and but friends. We are not to shrink as Christians. We are not to shrink when we see injustice. Um, and I think this is a good example of that, even though you've paid a big price. Um, you never intended for this to happen. No. Um, mm. But you've exposed.
0: <laughs> even more that I didn't and say. There <laughs> is, and, and there's yeah. even
2: more of the rest of this story. <laughs> right. And so we're going to get to hear a little bit more of the rest of this story, mm-hmm. friends. I think some of these things you may be hearing here first before you get about to hear on a national news outlet. Not sure. Some things are coming down the pike on this. It is a David versus Goliath story, mm-hmm. and I've just... I'm just looking forward to the victory that God is going to bring in this to encourage all of us. Well, we're going to go hear from our sponsors that keep Love Talk on the air every week. We love and appreciate them so much. You will, too. And we'll be right back with you with Love Talk after this. Stay with us. And welcome back, friends, to Love Talk. This is Kathy in DeBronkin in studio with Coach Carrie Brinkater and our beautiful new co-host, Marlene McMichael. We were talking about courage in prayer and government with Jeremy's mm. story. And, boy, Jeremy, you sure did take us out on uh, uh, just a cliffhanger there. Mm. And, friends, I tell you, we've uh, just spent the last few minutes getting the full story, mm. and I wish we had another half an hour to share that with you uh, but we don't, so we're going to give you the short version of it. So, Jeremy, we left this at uh, officers showing up at your house arresting you for... Uh, uh, disorderly conduct, I guess, at a at least the charge was at this school board meeting, which was anything but the case. You're trying to stand up, expose the truth, um, call these school board members uh, to do what they are have been elected to mm-hmm. do, and uh, yet you are being intimidated. You are. Um, re- even the police chief is getting involved yeah, in, in
0: Round Rock I S D from no, Round Rock I S D, not the city of Round Rock.
2: Yes. Right? Yeah. Okay. So, tell us a bit about the rest of the story. How does this end?
0: So, um, it hasn't ended yet is the answer. Uh, I think that uh, what has happened is a lot. God has opened up a lot of doors, and it is being investigated by the appropriate authorities. And I, I all of it, you know. And I think what's going to happen is the school district is going to be reprimanded. Uh, and that we will be exonerated for sure. That's what I feel very confident about um, because basically this has become a landmark case across the country. It's been in the news across the nation for um, saying, you know, hey, school boards, you can't – you're not parents. You can't violate parents' rights. Mm -hmm. Uh, The parents have rights in this process, and just because you disagree with someone doesn't mean you can put them in jail or you can say – you can defame them in public. All of those things I think are going to be proved out by this case because it's a landmark case, I believe, for parental rights and for, um, you know, uh, school boards o- who are exercising overreach. Not all school boards do, but those who are exercising overreach. And and in Texas, for example, school superintendents can create their own little police forces, and those police forces report to the superintendent, which causes all kinds of problems in some cases. All it takes is someone who lacks character, like Hafez Aziz, I believe, does and has demonstrated, um, and, and then they can use that police force against you. Um, if, you, if they disagree with what, you, what you're saying, which is an absolute free speech violation, it's also a right to redress your government violation. It's also an equal protection of the law violation. It's a variety of civil rights violations, and I think the school district's about to find that out. You know, it's
2: interesting because when we were talking with David Barton, he said, you know, we tend to focus on these big elections, the president, the senate, the uh, um House of Representatives and he said but what we have to do is turn our attention to these smaller races which we have completely abdicated our role as citizens in far too long these school board positions are critical that we get engaged that we look into the those who are running and elect people who love the lord who are conservative who care about our children gen- genuinely and um and I, that seems to be your experience
0: Absolutely. I mean, the school board elections, the lo- more local election gets, the more impact it usually has on your life, your county commissioners, your uh, constables, your justice of the peace, and especially your school board. You know, in most places, 80 to 90 percent of the population of kids are going to these public schools. Right. And they are going there for a full time job basically during the week. And we're wondering why when we dump them off in the school system and some of these school systems systems, not all, but many are going way beyond just academic education into social modification of these children. And, and we, we give them over, in essence, to the government, our local government, and they come out the other side, and we wonder, what have we done wrong? When in reality, it's, it's the parents get them, you know, on the weekend and the evenings, and the school's getting them all day long, and and they're literally, uh, you know, causing these, these kids or indoctrinating these kids in ways that they shouldn't be. And I, and I think that's a big concern and should be for all of us. And who is at the head that can hold this accountable? The school boards. That's where we can have public accountability. That's where we can have sh- shifting. That's where we can have, you know, just education being education and not indoctrination. And I think it's really important that that those, those boards become public, are public forums where any public member uh, who's a taxpayer, who's a parent, who's a whatever, can come and address that school board without fear of some form of reprisal. And what we're seeing across the nation right now is that sc- some school boards, like Round Rock ISD, are willing to, to actually come against you with, with PR campaigns and, with, and defamation type stuff, with jail time, with, mm. with um, the federal government issuing a, a letter saying, hey, we'll come after you with the Patriot Act. We'll treat you like Osama bin Laden. That has to stop in our country mm. or else we lose a generation because we're basically giving over our kids to the government, to parents. The thing is that the schools are not going to co-parent with the government and with, with the parents. The school district and the government is not a co-parent. Right. <laughs> they did not give birth to my children. They did not give birth to your children. And therefore, mm-hmm. they are not a parent. They are educators. If they want to be parents, they need to get out of that business. And so I think that's really important.
2: We have yeah. to start stepping into this sphere, this educational sphere, this government mm-hmm. sphere. We do have a voice we mm-hmm. should not abdicate that voice, mm-hmm. and I believe we have to stand firm and stand strong and jeremy we just so um we just so appreciate what you are doing there and i and i i just we will keep you in prayer as you continue to move forward in that and as as our listening friends will as well i would like to um just take a small shift there's so much to talk about there but i do i want to take a small shift because there's so much that you do it's amazing that you even have made time right. to step <laughs> into that yes. Um, you also serve as the chaplain for the Republican Party of Texas. You um, have invested in in praying with and ministering to leaders from both major political parties. Talk to us about the ways that we can pray for government, especially in the state of Texas.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that as Christians, we need to not abdicate that spear. We need to really be involved and praying for and, and, and learning about what's going on in all levels of government and being actively involved. I mean, we don't have a whole lot of time left, but it, one of the reasons why I was willing to volunteer to, to do this is I think it's important because those people are facing tremendous pressure, Democrat or Republican. They are. It's a sphere where there's just constant pressure, constant temptations, constant, you know, where they're being attacked from every angle. And there, it's important to be able to minister to them, but it's also important to pray for them. It's important to hold them accountable. All those things, I think, are very important. And if we sort of step out of that sphere, then, then, as believers, then, then it just allows for anyone else to, to be light or to, to, to say things that, that without us being present. And then we wonder why there's a bad result. Why, why that happens. And I think when Jesus said that we're to be salt and light, I think he meant for us to be salt and light everywhere. So, um, the, the political spirit is, is a very intense thing. I mean, it's why most people don't want to run, right? Because when you run, you're attacked, you're, you're personally trashed, all these different things. And then for those that are down at the Capitol, what a lot of people don't realize is it's not all just glitz and glamour. It's a very, very dark place in a lot of ways. Um, the, the, there are lots of bad things that go on in terms of the behind the scenes, the part, not the political parties, but just the, the churn. Uh, it, it is very, very stressful in all of them. And so I think that we need to be lights down there. We need to, at, at the Austin Capitol, but also in our school boards, to affect positive change in our governmental process. Because it's the process itself that's giving us the bad laws. It's not just the wrong people in the position. It's the, the whole system... That is creating this churn that oftentimes even good people go into those positions and are corrupted by the system itself. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you find people that really go on with good intentions, but li- literally get no support from, from, from anyone but people with bad intentions. And then we wonder why people don't want to do that. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, we want, oh, go and, go and serve, but then there's no support for them. And I think it's very important that we do support people who want to go and see freedom in our government
3: absolutely i would I would echo that <laughs> <laughs> this is Marlene, but um you know in government, one of the things when I first got started was that that they really the parties weren't as significant as whether or not you were liberal or, or conservative, mm-hmm. and one of the, the conservatives were really mm-hmm. challenged about speaking out their positions, mm-hmm. and so the same is true for us as Christians if we're not there and we're not encouraging and we're not supporting, the other voice gets louder and pulls that direction. So everything you're saying is absolutely correct, Jeremy. uh, It is... It's a dark place, but it's a place where good people go to try and do the best they can. Absolutely. And they need support. And right? they need support. Right. Absolutely. I, I
2: will never forget going to Washington, D.C. and bringing a, a group of men and women out there to pray with our senators and our um, House members. And we went to every office and prayed with their staff. And the senator came out and he said, you have to understand, we don't need your prayers. We are desperate for your prayers. Mm -hmm. And it just is amazing. It just really opened my eyes that we need to be praying for and with. And so, friends, I'll tell you, if you ever want to go down and start your morning, go praying with staff members just walking in saying, how can I pray for you today? Pray Mm -hmm. over their offices. Pray for cohesive strategies. Pray for their family home life. Pray protection from the attacks of the enemy. Pray for our leaders and Mm -hmm. pray when you're looking at who to vote for to who to place in those leadership positions. Um, It's a critical thing that we need to step into that sphere and not abdicate that role that God has given us.
1: Mm -hmm. And I also remember you saying that they were surprised you didn't want anything, that all you wanted to do was pray for them. Mm -hmm. And
0: that's huge. The other thing, and I wish we had more time to talk about it, but we as believers have a hard time understanding evil. We do, but we believe in it. We believe that it exists. We have a hard time understanding it because we tend to believe that everybody has good intentions. But what Mm -hmm. I've often seen oftentimes is we need to be wise as serpents but innocent Mm -hmm. as doves. Oftentimes we are deceived by the political entities and and we're used by them, actually, is what ends up happening. And we need to be more understanding of these processes and hold people accountable when they're deviating from, from what they say they're going to be about, right? And, and there's a lot of things that we don't have time to talk about, but just basically knowing that, that not everything you hear is true. And, and, and so sometimes it's important for us to be able to discern from the Holy Spirit where we need to be prophetic. The church needs to have a rise in the prophetic giftings again so that we can call people back to truth. We've gotten so, if you want to say nice, that we're unwilling to speak truth if it's going to offend some political leader somewhere. Mm. And I think sometimes God gives us those relationships to call them back into accountability so that we can have healthier and healthier government and more and more people are free.
3: Wow.
1: Friends, so much today from Jeremy's story. We love you so much here on Love Talk. Uh, We pray that you will find a church tomorrow, tonight or tomorrow, that loves the Lord and preaches the gospel. You can... Find us on Love Talk Radio, and we will see you. I'm Coach Kerry Brinkater for Kathy Anderbrock and Marlene McMichael. We'll see you next week right here on Love Talk.